All right, welcome to the History and Music Podcast. Sorry, I forgot the name of the podcast for a second. Um, You've got so many. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I do have another podcast, by the way, uh, Cold Bow. You can go listen to that. Um, Scott's yeah, special podcast. Th- yeah, I am, kind of. Uh, so I'm Scott Gifford. Uh, I come to you from my uh, upstairs room in my house. I'm joined by Sean, my uh, co-host. How's it going, Sean? Hey man, still here. Still here. Awesome. Still I am not good. in my upstairs. Yeah, I'm still doing good. Still got broken teeth. We're working on that. Um, not in my upstairs room. I'm actually in my office since we're room doxing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's nice. You have a nice <laughs> office. I can. Uh, anyway, Thank you. Um, I'm also joined by uh, Mr. New-, New Mexico Supremacist. We'll just call you New Mexico, I think. Um, how's it going? Good. How are you? Very good. Before we get started, I just want to clarify one thing. I was not at the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> Wanted to get that out there. Okay. I believe you. Okay. We uh, we disavow anything. Anything you're referring to, whatever it is, we disavow it. I, I, support, the, I support the current thing. Yeah. Whatever that is, I support it. Go Ukraine or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I have a question, though, Mister Mister Supremacist. Why is New Mexico best Mexico, oh, or why is why is New Mexico supremacist? To understand this, you have to understand that new, the name New Mexico is actually older than the name Mexico. When Mexico was still New Spain, the region of New Spain, wherein New Mexico now sits, was called New Mexico. So we're really? actually old Mexico wow. based. That that is a fun little nugget. I like that. The original. It, so yeah, so I assume I assume you have pretty strong ties to the place. Uh, I grew up there. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I was I was a little kid when we moved there. Um, I don't know if my siblings. Uh, I'm the oldest. To you know, docs are places in the family. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how firm the memories of my siblings are about anywhere else but New Mexico. I have memories of other places, living other places. Uh, but we moved there when we were very, very young. I grew up there. Um, it really is. It's nicer than a lot of people want to give it credit for. I agree. Um, uh, I have, I have, uh, my in-laws are from there and I've visited many times and I, I really like, uh, they're from Albuquerque, but we go up to Santa Fe and it's really nice. I really like uh, New Mexico. I didn't realize this was going to be a New Mexico shill podcast. I gotta, I gotta go guys. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> having lived in texas right next to new mexico i uh i try to avoid new mexico as best i can uh, you know a lot of people say that they're wrong the, the key <laughs> is that no one knows new mexico really is pretty good everyone's like i want to go to texas i want to go to california i don't know who wants to go to california actually nobody that's <laughs> probably like less than one percent of this podcast's audience would would want to move to california right now uh yeah but no, it really, it's a lot nicer than people give it credit for. Yep. It's its more than just meth because in the last 15 years, it's all it's really known for is uh, Breaking Bad. But yeah, no, I, it's also high cost of living too. Is it? 
in California or in, wait, New Mexico? What are we talking about? I was talking about, about New Mexico. <laughs> New Mexico. Edit, edit that out. It's <laughs> like no cost of living. <laughs> That's true. Actually, the opposite. Also, uh, hatch green chilies. Yes. yes. Y'all love, that actually, you guys love your chilies. Also, hot air balloons. That's, I'm actually, my house is like right under the route that the hot air balloons take. Oh. And when I was oh, a wow. kid, like more than once they landed on my street and I got to go out and like help pack up the hot air balloon. I've been, I've been to that festival a couple times and it is like the coolest thing. So since we're uh, on the topic, so you're, you lived in New Mexico for a while. Um, you, New Mexico is obviously best Mexico and original Mexico for that matter, as we learned. So tell us a little bit more about yourself just as far as who you are, what you, what you'd like to do, anything else you want to share on the pod. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a graduate student in, uh, biological sciences i'm actually i'm getting close to finished and moving on to something that isn't school hopefully we'll see so one of the one of the things i really like to do one of the reasons i'm actually interested in this podcast is uh i read history books um i don't do anything with it other than read them and sometimes you're one of those guys huh i am one i am insufferable at parties (laughs) i am awful i'm surprised people keep inviting me to be honest I'm just glad that we're well, that we are well represented on this podcast. Scott's outnumbered here, so reading history books for the fun of it. We out here, Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're rolling deep on this podcast. Sure. We represent. We represent. Yes. So keep going. What were you saying? I don't. I don't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. I don't like earn money from it. I just. I've liked history since I was a, kind of a small kid. Um, one of the big industries in New Mexico, kind of like Florida, is. Uh, basically retirement homes because the cost of living is like well cost of living in florida is almost certainly higher but the cost of living in new mexico is very low uh salaries that people would get paid in california to go much much further if if they were to like to do work from home but doing it do it in new mexico and so lots of lots of people retire in new mexico and we used to tax veterans at a lower rate than everyone else to try and get them to like retire there to increase population base beyond what we already have. Hmm. Uh, when I was growing up, my uh, ward, my congregation, um, the boundaries had all the retirement homes. Uh, and so when when you go up to do the sacrament and, you know, if people can't come to church, you'll you go to their house, you do the sacrament for them. Um, we would go to like nine, 10 people every Sunday uh, regularly. And I I did this pretty regularly, maybe like once or twice a month, I would be my turn to go. And one of the things that really interested me was there were these people that I was talking to that had lived through these huge cataclysmic events. There were people from the, you know, the First World War, Second World War, um, Korea, Vietnam, all sorts of, they'd all gone and experienced these just like monumental events in history uh, that people spend their lives studying. Uh, and for them, it was just this my, this very... Uh, personal, very direct experience. Uh, and that's really what started to interest me in the whole thing. Uh, there's this big ebb and flow of history. Uh, and one of the things like you talk about, there's all these lenses you can view history from, right? Like people talk about, oh, well, it's all about, you know, market conditions, or it's about, you know, technology, you know, there's the great man theory. Uh, but for people that actually experienced these events, it was basically, well, I'm here. And this is actually either really great or this is very, very unfortunate. This is, this is really unpleasant. Uh, and this kind of personal view of history uh, really interested me. 
um, it's not this very, the high level history is necessary to understand kind of the context of what the individual is going through. Uh, but uh, the individual histories of this guy experienced this battle or this guy, you know, was on this march. Those are always more interesting to me because that is what I as a kid interacted with. Right. That's awesome. The more realistic part of history. Um, so if uh, if you could study only one sliver of history for the rest of your life, which one would you study? That's a, that is a hard question. Um, okay. Okay. For the next five years. Next five years. So right now I'm doing a big uh, walkthrough of uh, American Revolution stuff. Oh, awesome. Um, it started a couple of years ago. I started, I read Albion's Seed, which if you have not read Albion's Seed, you should read it. Because if your ancestors have been to the United States for any length of time, you will start mm-hmm. to like recognize little bits and pieces of yourself. You'll go like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I've heard really good things. Uh, it's on my list. Yeah, it is It is really good. And it kind of brought out this, you know, kind of, well, what it, this this question has actually been kind of bouncing around in my mind for decades is, what is an American like there's, there's clearly Americans and there's clearly people who are not Americans. So what are the characteristics? What are the obvious characteristics that you can look at someone and say, oh, this is an American. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the start a few years ago. I was just like, I need to know what like that is. Yeah. Cause mo- most people is like, oh, if you like McDonald's and you listen to Elvis and you go to pizza hut, that's what, a, that's what being American is. I'm like, no, there's a little bit more And that. We got, we have some some shared experiences, some lore and some, you know, mythology of our own. And, you know, we've kind of made our name for ourselves in the world. So it's more than just consumerism, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, if they, if, if, like you said, if it's just, I like Elvis, I like McDonald's, I have really bad news. Well, both, both those things aren't very good. (laughs) (laughs) Elvis is okay. I shouldn't say that. Okay. McDonald's is really bad. Don't eat a McDonald's kids. Stay away. Yeah, go to Taco uh, Bell. Way better. I can't. I actually got food poisoning at a Taco Bell. Oh, I really? Okay, Del Taco then. Del Taco. Yeah, Del Taco is far superior. Don't go to Taco <laughs> Bell. They gave food poison to New Mexico supremacists. There was a jihad. Was that it? Was that in? Was that in? Was that in New Mexico? Yeah, it was. Which was oh, dumb. Wow, yeah. Why am I eating a Taco Bell in New Mexico? Why would yeah, I? Yeah, you do could. That? I don't know, but so so it, from what I'm hearing, there's a fatwa against uh, Taco Bells. Yeah, I have I have literally not been back in like ten years. Okay, gotcha. That's cool, man. So the uh, the song that we're discussing today is, and you can correct me on my pronunciation here in New Mexico supremacist, but "Wir sind des Geiers Schwarzer Haufen," um, which is a German folk song, marching song, a, a martial song, a military song. Um, and it was originally written in the 1920s. Most places say it's written in 1920, but I don't know if they actually know when it was written, but early 1920s, basically the German interwar period. So, uh, this, this episode may sound similar to the episode we did with, um, with Nim a little while back because it's the same era. So with this song, before we get into the lyrics, what is your history with this song, your experience with it? Why'd you pick it? Uh, so I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, and as doubtless many listeners of this podcast would know, uh, we serve missions. Uh, We go and preach for two years in a country uh, not of our choosing. Uh, We learn the language, we integrate as best we can with the culture, and we preach. Uh, And I did this in Germany. I went to the very southern part of Germany, 
And if you're curious about the cultural differences between North and South, the South is the one with the leather shorts. Um, Lederhosen? Is that Lederhosen? Okay, Lederhosen. Um, and I, I thought it was great um, as maybe kind of a cop-out when I say not of our choosing. That actually would be the one I would have chosen. And I was maybe one of the last missionaries to actually have to fill out a paper form. But they used to have like notes on the back. And that, that's what I wrote on my notes. That, that that was where I wanted to go. Nice. That's, That's cool. Awesome, man. That never happens, by the way, just to our listeners. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that would never happen. It's very rare. I was sure by writing it, they were going to be like, cool, you can go to like Africa, I guess. Yeah, yeah there, there, well, are, like, there are hundreds of missions in the church and the, like, the likelihood that you get called outside of the united states is, is getting smaller so i always, I always feel like that's just asking for the lord to humble you it's like where do you want to go i want to go to germany yeah this guy's going to omaha nebraska enjoy elder <laughs> not that omaha's not a cool place i'm sure it's great great barbecue i've, I've driven through omaha it seemed okay <laughs> but okay so, not, so not, much, not much lederhose in there though so yeah not many lederhose really, so so the main criticism of omaha not enough lederhose <laughs> The only criticism. So you speak German. Um, and so you're, you're kind of talking us through like this song specifically. So you speak the language already, which is a huge bonus because I served my mission in Brazil. I speak Portuguese. I know a little German. Scott, are you a Spanish speaker? Nope. I, I served my mission in uh, Washington State and I can That's barely right. speak English. So That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. Anyway, so you speak German. So how did you stumble upon this song or why why why'd you pick it? So... One of the one of the reasons I and I've heard I've heard lots of songs on my mission. Germans are very musical people. Um, I have never previously before I'd left on my mission. I had never been corrected by another member of the congregation about how my voice sounded in hymns. Uh, but the Germans, if you are like off kilter, they will lean in and be like, Alta, you, you're not a bass. You need to go a little higher. You're just you're just not there. Um, <laughs> wow, that's awesome, actually. It, it's, I, I kind of wish I would, because I'm I'm a horrible singer, but I like to sing, um, and so if I could have someone like coach me, I'd be totally willing to like. All right, tell me what to do. You know, well, I, I feel like they probably go, "Hey, could you just like not sing?" And <laughs> <probably>. then just, <laughs> I'll just mouth the words. <laughs> if it's bad enough, they might. But uh, so Germans are this. They're this very musical people, um, and they kind of don't give that impression to outsiders, to people that aren't familiar. They're they they. They seem very kind of, you know, cold and very distant. Mm -hmm. um, but I heard music, sung music, not music from speakers. I heard sung music uh, basically every day on, on my mission. I would hear people, you know, elderly, uh, people, kids, other people singing. Uh, and I heard this song actually um, at an old folks home. Um, it was an older lady and you could tell she would, she'd mostly gone. Um, most of her mind was gone, but she liked it when we visited. Uh, and so I was happy to do that. It was always a good break from walking, you know, 10 kilometers to the next village that didn't have bus or rail and we didn't have bikes or something. What's that in miles? Uh, that's like six miles. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a long time. That, okay. That's not bad. Sorry, not continue. Bad. <laughs> um, it is bad when you're in the Alps, though. I will say that when they're like, oh, it's six miles. Like, is it six miles on flat ground? Or is it winter in the Alps? Is it six miles? <laughs> New Mexico supremacists over here, are like, yeah, it's six kilometers. We got to go over the Matterhorn. So just buckle up, Elder. <laughs> it's fine. Uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> and, and you say ten kilometers just to make it sound worse. That's yeah. the, that's how you do it, man. You just always got to like phrase everything in kilometers because it's. Anyway, I won't interrupt you anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, 
I, she would, she was clearly very gone, but she would, she would sometimes start just singing songs from her youth. And a lot of these were just folk songs. Um, they were just, you know, songs about home. They were songs about her family. Uh, and one day we were there and I heard this song and we don't use the internet while we're on missions. We don't, uh, we don't Google things, but I remembered it. And when I was home, I was, I remembered it one day and looked it up and I heard this whole song and I was just, I was blown away. Um, because when she was singing it, I could tell it wasn't intended to be a song about home. It was, a, it was a martial song. It was militant. And I remembered it and it really like struck a chord with me, the, the change, um, in how she acted and in how the music sounded, this change from songs about, you know, how much she missed grandma, uh, to this song, a very, very different. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. And it, it makes you wonder, like, I kind of wish with, with things like that, because usually your long-term memories like that, like songs you learned in your youth and stuff that kind of stick with you forever. My grandma did that too. She would sing songs towards the end of her life when her mind was kind of going. She lived to be like 95, I think. Um, and she was very old, but she would sing like civil war songs that she heard from her grandmother who lived through the civil war, you know? So it's the same idea. And it just kind of makes you wonder. It's like, you know what? I kind of wish that you were a little bit more with it. So I could just talk to you about it. Like, Hey, I know your grandfather was wounded in combat fighting with the union. So he was alive when you were born. Did you ever talk to him about it? You know, like just crazy <laughs> stuff like that. Cause, cause a lot of this generation has gone, you know, for, for a lot of stuff like this, we have some Vietnam guys, Korean war guys are still around, but they're getting older. World war two guys are dying off very quickly. And so the, a lot of that, that, that knowledge, that, that experience, which could be a shared experience is, is gone. And it's just kind of, it's kind of sad. And I always wish we could, you know, preserve that in a, in a way, like on a podcast or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, cool, man. That's, that's a really inspiring story. So should we, I think we should start getting into the lyrics. Since we've been well, kind of right, right oh, before sorry. we do that, I have to compliment uh, New Mexico here. Cause we are again, all in this, uh, this uh, Twitter chat that we talk about all the time. And I think it, it was you, the very first song, New Mexico. Did you submit the first song? I think I did. Yeah, it, it was uh, Flatland Cal Cavalry. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because that, that song has stuck with me the, the, the whole time. I still have it in my place. I listen to it all the time. Awesome I don't even song. remember that. It's called, no, it's it's called any uh, No Shade of Green. Yeah, it's a really good song. It's so good. I've been, I've been sharing it with a bunch of people. It's mixed reviews, but... Um, it really, it really hit me. <laughs> but I Scott really it. enjoyed it. <laughs> it. It is awesome. That's funny. Um, so, uh, so I just had to compliment that. That was a great, great song. Speaking of music, it's not a folk song. Um, I don't know what you guys have been listening to lately. We've talked about the new single several times that Blink came out with, but at <laughs> New Mexico, I don't know what kind of music you actually. Why don't you tell us real quick? Give us like a thirty second. What kind of music do you listen to, like on the regular? So on the regular, uh, yeah. older country music, independent country music. Uh, and classic rock. Okay. I have, cool. I have a very old man's taste. I blame the fact that when I moved to my town in New Mexico, there were two radio stations and they were both country. There was nice. No, there was nothing else. Nice. Nice. And when you say old country, do you mean like, like nineties, eighties old, or do you mean like really I mean, old? Like forties, fifties. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So like Buck Rogers. Yes. No, wait, hold on. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Buck yeah. Owens. That's what I'm talking about. Buck, o- Buck Rogers is the space guy. Buck, Buck Owens. I like them both. Yeah. <laughs> Buck Owens. Yeah. George Jones. Um, okay. So, uh, newfound glory came out with a new single. Oh, have you listen to it? Yeah. I have not listened to it. Cause you know me, I'm always shilling newfound. So they've got a new for our listeners out there. If your wife is in her like early to mid to late thirties and like, and went through a pop punk emo phase at all, play her the new newfound glory song. You're welcome. Mm, Just don't, don't tell it. Don't tell her it's from me. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, wir sind des Geiers Schwarzen, Schwarzer Haufen. Let's just go through the lyrics, guys. We cool with that? I'm cool. All right. Um, we'll probably just do English only, right? Since no one here speaks German besides our friend, the supremacist. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, so first, the first, Scott, do you want to do the first? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, okay. Uh, so I can tell the translation is kind of funky, but so I'll, I'll do my best to make it sound good, but. All right, so it starts off with, we are, uh, is it Geyer? It's Geyer, yeah. We are uh, we are the Geyer's black host, hiya ho ho. And, and he went to scuffle with tyrants, hiya ho ho. Spears advance, forward march, raise the red flames upon the cloister roof. Cool. I'm usually the guy that's like monologuing about every like word that we read in this, but... NMS, if you want to, if you want to take this one, feel free, man. Since you actually speak the language, you're the one that knows the song. I've done a bunch of research on this in in the uh, the Hemster archives here. Um, but if you've got anything you want to call out, you know, like lines, oh, this means this, and whatever, feel free. Okay, great. Um, so the the first thing that I'm just going to say is Geyer. It's Geyer's with apostrophe s. So G E Y E R apostrophe s. Mm-hmm. Geyer is that's a person. It's a guy. Yes. Um, and his name is Florian Geyer and he was a, a general captain of sorts. Um, he was German and he, uh, he lived, he was, a, he was like a, a nobleman, right? Yeah. That, that, yeah, that had certain appointments and he was a knight. He was a knight, a knight. basically. Cause this, this is 1500s we're talking about. The guy was born in 1490 um, Florian Geyer was his name. Nobleman, like Scott said, a knight. And the reason why we're singing about this is because this song, what we're going to learn here is even though it was written in the thirties and it's a, a marching song and it was very popular with multiple groups throughout interwar Germany. Um, the song is actually about the German peasants war, uh, which is something that nobody has heard of. Maybe some Germans, um, but it's basically this big revolt that happened in largely southern Germany, but some other areas in like the early 1500s, 1524 to 1525. D- during and, like the Re- Reformation period. Right, right? the Reformation period. Right. Martin, Lu- Martin Luther was alive during this time. He commented on it. So it's it's the Martin Luther time, if you will, the Reformation. Yeah. And so this that's what this song is singing about. And so Geyer was a a a general, a nobleman, a knight that led this specific sort of legendary um, group of soldiers that they call, they call themselves the black company. They have other names too, but the black company is what, what their name translates to in German. They're basically a heavy, heavy cavalry unit. And they, the reason why they're, they're notable is because they, in this German peasants revolt, it was basically the peasants against like 
the landed gentry, the clerics, the educated class, the noblemen. So it's basically poors against rich people, essentially, kind of a class struggle, if you will. But the reason why Florian Geyer and his black company are notable is because they're like the only cavalry units, the only nobleman and knight who basically sided with the peasants as opposed to fighting with for his king, essentially. Um, anyway, so I, I, I won't, I'll try not to monologue too much. I say that every single time, but it's an impossible <laughs> challenge. So um, it says we're Geyer's black host, black company. So it's basically singing as if he's a soldier of Geyer's black company. They want us, they want to fight tyrants Spears advance, forward march, raise the red flames upon the cloister roof. One of the things that was common among uh, during this this German peasants war is the the um, the clergy, the people of the church, were kind of lumped in with royalty, if you will, like the the rich kind of class. And so the war was against kind of both the the politicians of the day the wealthy of the day and the religious class of the day. And so they would basically go trying to burn down castles and churches and, and so forth. So um, that's what that is referring to. Yep. And you guys want to add anything to that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Geyer's a, a, a cool dude. He's very interesting. He had no love for the church for sure. I think he was excommunicated for not, yeah. for not, for not paying a, a, uh, debt or something to the church it was a 250 year old debt i saw that too. yeah so geyer was something called so in in the feudal system you have these you know you have obligations up and obligations down mm -hmm. and each station has its own privileges so there is a way to short circuit that in germany you could set it up if you were lucky enough so that you didn't have a guy above you the only guy above you was the the holy roman emperor and wow. Geyer was an, what was called an imperial free knight. He was an imperial knight. His only supervisor, his own, the only person ahead of him was the emperor. Um, Interesting. Lots of these free knights had really small land holdings, like barely anything, enough to support themselves and maybe some peasants and men at arms. But they weren't controlling, like, you know, very much. Um, and that status exists for cities, too. Um, cities themselves could be imperial free cities. And so they didn't have to pay taxes to anyone but the emperor. Uh, they didn't have to pay attention to anyone but the emperor. Uh, and imperial knights are that same thing, but it's just one guy. Uh, and one of the reasons Florian is uh, mad is that he had participated in a previous war, the Knight Revolt, where the free knights were angry that their old privileges were being eroded uh, by the new system. There's this new mercantile class. The middle class is becoming a real thing. Uh, and they feel like their privileges and their rights are going away. And so they, they stage a revolt. Uh, and this doesn't work. They lose. And Florian Geyer uh, survives this war. And because of probably some bitterness, um, lots of stuff about his life is basically missing now. Because at the time, people really suppressed it. He decides, well, I lost this war. But the people that I was struggling against in the last war are struggling against the peasants now. And maybe this is a good chance to get something, to get some of my own back. Interesting. So, so it was like a, a vendetta he had against him. Yes. Yeah. It, that's actually, that's very common. If you look at like German history or any medieval European history, there's just like blood oath after blood oath and vendetta after vendetta. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, and, and he was a talented organizer because um like like you said sean he he uh th this is the only group of uh or only like regiment or whatever of these peasants 
during these wars that was like as organized as they were and he was able to to make them like into like an actual military they, they like turned him from a mob into like actual military like like uh organ, organized thing so yeah, because yeah. this this German peasants war, it wasn't really a war. I mean, it was it was so one sided. It's it's embarrassing, frankly. But imagine like when you see like comical versions of a peasant mob where they would get like their pitchforks and they go like attack like people. That's mm-hmm. basically what these peasants were doing. But they were fighting against like knights and men at arms who had like cannons and arquebuses, like basically pre pre. Um, the precursor to muskets, essentially. And so there's there's gunpowder here, and these guys have just sort of ramshackle, thrown together stuff. Some had armor because they're they're kind of a militia of sorts. Some had makeshift, you know, farming implements they turned into weapons. And but but they had almost no training, you know, no cavalry of any kind. And so this this Geyer's Black Company was notable because it was the only one that was heavy cavalry. Everybody else was like just a bunch of dudes getting together a mob who are pissed because they had to pay taxes and everything else. And they just got some pitchforks together and, you know, their great grandfather's old gun with a couple shots and went to go yell at the king, you know. Um, <laughs> and then this guy's actually like, no, man, like, let's, 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 let's be legit about this. Um, all right, that's only the first verse. Sorry. Um, New Mexico supremacist, do you want to take uh, verse two then? It's the Adam and Eve one. Yeah. Um, so in English, when Adam plowed and Eve spun, Lord have mercy, where was then the nobleman? Lord have mercy. Uh, spears advance, forward march, raise the red flames upon the cloister roof. Yeah, that, that spears advance, forward march, raise the red flames upon the cloister roof. That's pretty, there, there is no actual chorus in this, but that's pretty much the chorus. Yeah, that's because the chorus. That, that, yeah, that line is at the end of every verse. And, um, What's interesting on this one, and is, uh, do you guys have any comments on that one? I have one comment on this on this verse that I thought was well, interesting. Mine's probably similar to yours. Is it the Curie thing? No. No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, j- just the part about because uh, the, they're very anti-nobleman, right? N- anti-established order, and so they're saying Adam and Eve didn't need a, a noble nobleman to, to tell him what to do. Neither do we, type thing. Is that is that is that kind of yeah. what you guys are getting from that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The song is very anti-cleric, anti-nobleman, anti-royalty. Mm-hmm. And just to add a little bit of background to what we're talking about, this whole revolt started in late uh, 1524. And the way it started was, is there was this noblewoman who I guess they had like, first of all, this is, this is very much like what you learn in like fifth grade where it's like, oh, it's, you know, there's the serfs and there's like, there's, um, you know, the, the, the feudal system. And that's pretty much what these guys were living under. And these peasants were at the very bottom. They were at the very bottom of the feudal system, but they were the most heavily taxed in this system. And uh, they basically had no rights at all. They couldn't afford to do anything, couldn't afford food. And um, so a bunch of them got together in parts of Germany, like, hey, let's revolt. This sucks. And they basically wrote up, they, they kind of, they, they, it was very democratic, which is part of the reason why this is notable is because it's the first time since the Roman Empire, it's the first time in Germany and in Europe where people are having a democracy of sorts, where they all get together in a circle. They called, they actually called it in German, a ring. They all got together in a circle to basically vote, almost like a Knights at the Round Table kind of thing, where every man can say his piece and have the same vote kind of a thing. And so they would get together to kind of, vote on okay hey what do we want to like 
complain about, right? I mean, I don't like the taxes. I don't like the fact that we have to get like, we have a high tithe and a low tithe, you know, and it's more than 10% and they have these things. So at the end of it, what they came up with is they basically kind of became this loose confederation of towns in this, um, this revolt. And they wrote basically a list of 12 things that they wanted. They called 12 articles is what they're called. And it was basically 12 articles they wanted to take to the Holy Roman emperor um, and like the, the, the princes of their various territories to basically say, Hey, here are the changes we want. And that's the reason why they were revolting. And if you read them, they're actually really reasonable, at least for in, in our modern sensibilities now. And they're very much based on the beliefs of the time. Every single article is like the Bible teaches this. Why can't we do that? God says this. Why can't that apply to us as peasants? You know, it's it's very um, it's very logical, you know, and it's it's something you think at least the cleric class would be like, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm a man of the of the cloth. You know, I know the Bible, and these guys are quoting the Bible to me, and hey, it's what I'm teaching in church. You know what I mean? So, um, so I so did, did it have uh, did it have ties to the Reformation then? Like it, it does. Um, <clears throat> so Martin Luther, so Martin Luther's still alive. He's still writing. Um, if you're ever interested in reading something that's just like really, truly like venomous, Martin Luther really dislikes a lot of his opponents, like mm-hmm. on a real personal level. Um, and so there's a Twitter bot you can follow, Martin Luther Insults, which it's just copy. Oh, really? <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. It's always just some like vitriolic, like, also, your mom was a pig kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, got, he's got some venom. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him, but yeah. Um, so it's certainly reformation minded. Um, one of the, one of the big claims of the reformation was that the structure of the Roman Catholic church was incorrect. Not, not the doctrine is wrong, but also how the church is structured is wrong. Um, and so as the reformation starts, some of the German nobles are think, so if I had a German church, I wouldn't have to pay money to the Italians, right? And to, to Rome, Rome is what they called it. Yeah, to we, Rome, I wouldn't yeah. have to pay to, you know, Rome, right? And well, yeah, you wouldn't have to. And so some of the German princes supported Protestantism because they looked at it and said, oh, that's that's political freedom for me. Right. Right. Um, it's more it's more of like a governing thing than it is necessarily a, a actual thing. actual belief system. Yeah. yeah, they weren't. Some of the belief was certainly very cynical. On the other hand, some of them really were diligent, <clears throat> dedicated uh, Lutherans. Uh, but the peasants' war really is centered around this idea of the Reformation of, well, Martin Luther basically led a revolt against the Catholic Church for doing unchristian things. That's that's our that's what we believe as Lutherans. And well, so that's I, literally what that's literally what he's known for. Yeah, that's nowadays, a, right. That's his whole thing. Um, and so psychologically, the peasants almost certainly said, "Well, look, if he can do it, uh, why can't I do it?" Why can't I take grievances, you know, to the higher ups and say I'm very, I'm displeased? Right, or, like this, like democratization of, of uh, everything. It, it kind of is almost like a um, started with with Martin Luther, and uh, became like a mind virus where everyone was like, "Hey, th- this seems like a, a pretty good idea." Um, obviously, from the from the peasant class, it, 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 like equal things out a little bit more. Um, but yeah. But the peasants learn very quickly that democracy is fake. <laughs> Unfortunately for them. Demo- yeah. Yeah. 
what's, what's, what's also funny about this is I used to think like, hey, Martin Luther, like he, a pretty smart guy ahead of his time, right? That's kind of, we, we, we teach about him in church as one of the reformers and he definitely had some inspiration given to him, you know, in, in his time and place. And so I, I still believe that. But after reading for this podcast, I'm like, you know what? Maybe he's not as, he's not, he's not as good of a guy as I, th- I thought he was because he initially um, supported this revolt until uh, part during part of the revolt, they actually um, invaded this town, which is mentioned in the song later, Weinsberg. Yeah. And they basically captured the local prince or magistrate or whatever of this town, this castle, and made them run literally run the gauntlet. In other words, made them run through the soldiers as they all hit them and stabbed them with their swords and spears and pikes until they died. And it's called like the Weinsberg Massacre or something like that. But the the media of the time blew this up like oh these these peasants are rampaging the countryside raping pillaging murdering noblemen and and priests and this and that which was i guess sort of true but not really so martin luther all of a sudden flips now he wants nothing to do with the revolt they're all going to hell and he actually writes this article that's literally titled against the murderous thieving hordes of peasants and in that he encourages the peasants to be um cut down killed and sliced to death like dogs <laughs> it's like what jeez martin man <laughs> dial it back bro um and so and it's it's really kind of interesting because like dude like his apparently his whole beef with the the revolt was look guys I believe your cause is just, but what you're doing to achieve those ends is more of a sin than the sin you're currently living under in this feudal system. Does that make sense? Like fighting, fighting for, for your rights is more of a sin than living under oppression in Martin Luther's mind, which to me. Yeah, I wonder what kind of like politicking he was doing by saying these things. Like, if if he actually believed it, or if it gained him something to to say it. I don't uh, know. He he certainly believed in. He thought the the rise of the middle class was a good thing. Um, partially because it broke down the previous power structure of the Catholic Church. Um, yeah. Also, because not having to pull a plow is conducive to having more time to spend doing religious things. Um, <clears throat> peasants worked all day, all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and having free time is conducive to thought, to to getting into philosophy, to reading the Bible. Um, and so he certainly supported this uh, centralization, kind of urbanization of the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the German princes were his first allies against the Catholic Church because they were basically saying, "Yeah, the the whole." 95 theses thing, whatever. That's great. Does this mean I don't have to pay taxes to Rome? It's all about money. It's always about money. Seems to be. So, uh, should we keep going on the, on the lyrics? Yeah. Let's see. So, Oh, I forgot. I, I mentioned it. I didn't bring it up. Um, so in that last verse where it says, that's the Adam and Eve one that you just read, right? Uh, New Mexico. So, it's when Adam and Eve plowed and Eve spun, the the translation is Lord, comma, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Um, and what I think is interesting is in German, the word is kyrieleis. It's one word. And um, 
And what's, uh, what's interesting about that is right after the, the, sec- the second line in that verse we just read, when Adam plowed and Eve spun, Lord have mercy, Lord comma have mercy. The word in German is Kyrieleis. And that is not a word I'd ever heard in German. And when I looked that up, it's actually a Greek word that's transliterated or, or translated into German. And apparently it's, a, it's like a Catholic thing, or maybe it's a Protestant thing. I don't know. But um, it's, the word is Kyrie. Um, and it's a, it's a Greek word that comes from Kyrios, basically. But what it is, is it's, it's in the Christian liturgy. There's something called the Kyrie uh, Ileison. <laughs> These are words we don't say because it's Latin and Greek. But point being is, is it's a specific Greek word from the Bible. Um, and it's used several times in the Bible. And it's basically whenever you're reading the New Testament and you hear someone, anybody say, Lord, have mercy or Lord, have mercy on my son. Lord, have mercy on me. The word that they're, that their translator for the King James version, for example, is pulling from the Bible is Kyrie, just one word, which literally translates to Lord, have mercy. But apparently it's like a, like a, a common phrase in the Christian, you know, liturgy, um, that it's basically a form of a prayer. And I had never heard that before. And it's interesting that the song included that. It doesn't actually say, Lord, have mercy in German. It literally says, Kyrie Leis, like, basically Kyrie in German, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, does that make any sense at all, <laughs> what I was just saying? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, every language does that. It's, it's, so, one of the, it's, I think one of the things that goes to show is that even though these peasants, even though lots of people interpret this as an anti-clerical struggle, um, they're still using bits and pieces of Christian language in the song. Yeah. yeah so the, I'll, I'll take the next verse then, because I definitely haven't been talking a lot the whole time. Uh, but the next verse is, uh, it says, we're led by Florian Geyer. We already talked about him. Despite being outlaws, the Bunshu he carries upon his flag wears helmets and armor uh spear and it's the chorus again spears advance forward march raise the red flames upon the cloister roof so florian geyer we already talked about that basically outlaws because of these peasants that are fighting against the the princes and the king and everything the only thing i was going to call out from this is bunshu um is a it's, it's a german word and even when it's translated into english it still says bunshu there which literally means like a tied shoe or a people's shoe, a peasant shoe is what that word means in German. Um, and you can correct me if, if, if I'm wrong in Mexico, but um, this was part of this peasant revolt. There was something called the Bunshu movement, which is basically this idea of the peasants standing up for their rights and kind of their rallying flag that they made was quite literally a flag that had a picture of a, a tied peasant shoe on it. And they called the Bunshu movement. And so in some of these battles, these peasants are fighting with uh, Florian uh, Geyer. They're basically carrying a banner with a picture of a, sh- a shoe on it. But the idea is it's like a poor man's shoe, right? It's different than the shoe that the knights wore and different than the shoe that the, like, the princes wore. And so it's sort of like the symbol of their poverty, if you will, a symbol of their, you know, like who's walking in their shoes kind of a thing. So it does have some depth to it, but um so it's like when it's like when I was growing up, I had to I had to shop at Payless. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, basically. It's yeah, it's like that, but the shoe would give you slivers. Oh, yeah, it's like when you want Jordans, but your mom gets you the Shack shoes. It's the same kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So one of the other meanings of bund is uh, a union or a covenant. Uh, so one other translation of the word bund shoe uh, is the, the, the union of the shoes. Interesting. Well, and that, that word bund is still in German now, like the Bundesrepublik, yeah. like it's the yes, People's yeah. Republic of Germany. It's it's everywhere. Like it's, isn't that the name of their Congress or something? Is It's, it's also it's the name the of the, um, yeah. if you're a soccer fan, it's the Bundesliga. That's yeah. Like their, yeah, that's the, the yeah. People's League. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, also, just to get out of the way, um, if you're not familiar with like what a cloister is, it, it's like an outdoor hallway in like a in like a castle. Anyway, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, looked, it's, I looked that up. It's part. It's basically part of like a, it's basically saying like burn the church, right? Isn't that what yeah. it's saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like church, like the, uh, you can probably imagine like in those the old medieval buildings, they have those outdoor hallways. Um, yeah. So burn it down. Well, and what's interesting is I believe the the word that it says in German is Klosterdach. Is that is that a cloister roof? It's, it's a cloister roof. So in yeah, German, you one word. It, you just shove nouns together. Yeah. However you want. It's great language. Just make make up whatever your word you want. As long as it's combining nouns, you're good. Hmm. Um, but Klosterdach is just the cloister's roof. Interesting. Nice. So okay, cool. So that was uh, verse. Three, trying to keep them straight. Yeah, and then so verse four is the Weinsberg one. Do you want to do that one, Scott? Yeah. Um, so it says by Weinsberg. There you uh, go. I don't know. Perfect, nailed it. Uh, we we gave him fire and stench. Hiya ho ho. Many a man was put to the blade. Hiya ho ho. Spears advance forward march. Raise the red flames. The cloister roof. So yeah, it's, uh, Weinsberg is a it's, a, it's a town, right? Southern Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they gave him fire and stench, which uh, is there any, is there anything like significant to that? Or is uh, or, or it just, I was burn, thinking burn that, was, yeah, I was thinking that was like a kind of like sticking it to the man kind of thing. It's like, Hey, remember Weinsberg? Yeah, we got you good. That, that's kind of what it made me think of because that's the Weinsberg massacre. That's basically mm-hmm. where these, these, these guys captured the castle there, took the prince, made him run the gauntlet of pikes and basically quote unquote massacred all of them. I don't even think we know how many people died. It's approximately 70 supposedly, which is a lot. But when we get to the numbers from this, uh, uh numbers of dead from this, this, um, Peasants' war—it's really child's play. So uh, you can call it a massacre, I guess. I think that that's what the media called it of the day, but that's so, so that's what that's referring to. So New Mexico on that on that line is there any? Uh, just because the the wording seems interesting, uh, fire and stench. Yeah, it, it is. is that, what's what's that uh, the translation there? Is there any? Um, so in German, it's by Weinsberg setzt das Brand und Stank or Stank. So Stank is stink in German. Nice. Um, okay. Brant is like, so that is, um, it is, it's burning, uh, but it's also the word you use for burning when you say, when in German, if you're doing, uh, you know, a burnt offering, it's Brantopfer. Um, hmm. so it's kind of the implication there. And I'm not, again, I'm not a German expert on 1920s German, uh, but there's this, Im- there's this implied, this, it was a holy burning of Weinsberg. Interesting. All right. Hmm. They're saying basically we did it and we're not sorry. Yeah, it, it, it was it, they. They're almost saying they had God on their side or something like that. Yeah, 
that's that's one of the main themes here is like you you when they were talking about adam and eve their justification is entirely god, did god arrange this noble system mm-hmm. did god set this up yes or no and right. in minds the answer has to be no so so this this is like a a cleansing of like the illegitimate system you've built between us and god basically so tear it down um yeah yeah. Well, and, and this this massacre is basically what kind of made uh, Martin Luther sort of turncoat on them and write that whole article, you know, tearing them down is because of this, essentially. And, and so writing this verse in 1920 is, is kind of doubling down on that. Then, Yeah. Yeah. Again, this was a song really liked by radical groups on both the left and right. The left likes it because it's anti-clerical. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and it's the very it's very it's very class warfare. Yeah, yeah. You know. uh, Frederick Engels, Marx's basically co-conspirator, has a whole. He wrote like a whole like. It's not a pamphlet. It's more than a pamphlet. He wrote like a little short book about the peasants' war, which is, by the way, if you want to read it free on the internet. So um, yeah, I actually, so, some of my study. Now that we're talking about this, some of my study went into uh, actually just reading Reddit threads of people. Of, <laughs> um, I mean, you can you can guess what you, what kind of people I'd be reading on Reddit, um, but <laughs> they're Reddit. they. They uh they were very much uh on, on the um left leaning uh, of the spectrum, and uh, and so, so it, it was really interesting because because any thread I found about it was is it okay to play this or is it okay to that, that I'm learning this on the guitar or that I can see that I can listen to this is it because they they thought it might have some connection to the to Nazi Germany. Um, I have bad because because it was in their it was in their songbook, but it was also in uh, the the communist one, the communist one as well. So uh, so it doesn't have it's it's kind of above any of that. Um, but uh, like, yeah, it, it's it's respected by both. Um, but all the all the um, socialists and communists on on Reddit think think it's pretty. Uh, it's all com- the the song is very pro communist, so yeah. Because their their whole thing is class warfare, right? The bourgeoisie yeah. and the oh, proletariat yeah. and all that. So that, that's that's basically what this is. Like, oh look, it's the it's the the poor, you know, rising up against the educated class. And it's like, okay, I guess there's some of that, but that wasn't really their issue. <laughs> but sure. Um. Anyway, okay, Weinsberg. Um, really nice town now. Yeah, oh, I've, sure. it's still around. Apparently, I saw that. Yeah, I've I've been to it. It's a great. It's a nice place. Nice. Um, New Mexico. Do you want to take verse five? That's the uh, Geschlagen one. The yes. Beaten. Uh, so beaten, we drag ourselves home. Hi ya ho ho. Our grandchildren will fight a better fight. Hi ya ho ho. Uh, spears advance forward march raise the red flames upon the cloister roof uh so the peasants lost uh pretty badly actually uh it was pretty serious um and it was it was bad enough that the church felt and the the fear of the revolt that the local nobles the churches felt like we got to actually like suppress knowledge about what happened we need to prevent people from knowing um florian geyer was killed he was in a town called ingolstadt which today has the Audi factory, which will give you a tour of the floor where they assemble all the cars in English. Hmm. It's a great tour. You should go on it. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, so 
he was he was in Ingolstadt and he was supposed to go join the black company and he got a false message from uh, some people he thought were friends and they killed him in the woods that his remains have never been found. Yeah, they stabbed him to death and left him stabbed him to death and left him out there. Yeah, and and then his black company continued to fight um, in Ingolstadt and basically were just killed to a man. And no, nothing was left. And um, since we're talking about the end of the the song and the end of the Ger- the German Peasants War, the the estimates are that there was about about three hundred thousand ish peasants in various parts of Germany and Ger- German speaking Europe that were part of this revolt, kind of loosely connected against like anywhere from six thousand to eighty five hundred of these knights fighting for the Holy Roman Emperor, and at least minimum. 100,000 peasants were killed with like a couple dozen dying on, you know, maybe a hundred, maybe, I don't know, on, on the, uh, the, the Swabian league side or the Holy Roman emperor side. And it's like, it's so one sided. It's like, guys, like, I mean, kudos to you for standing up for what you believe in, but like, did did not have a chance at all? How could it be? So one, they lost six figures worth of men, you know, well, to like, that might, that might just illustrate how bad they had it. Like, yeah, like the the, mo- so. the motivation behind going into a battle where you, where like you don't have armor or proper like weapons or something like that. Like the the motivation behind doing that has to be pretty strong. Yeah. Well, and what what's funny is the result was is they were actually worse off afterwards because the church and the princes and the, the the emperor came down hard on the peasants basically murdered anyone that had any kind well tortured and murdered and or killed anyone that had any kind of leadership position and um it basically just taxed them even heavier took even more rights away and what's what's interesting about this german peasants war and the fact that people, people don't know more about it this was the largest popular like uprising in europe until the French Revolution, which was 250 years later. So, I mean, it was a huge deal at the time, but it's like, I'd never learned about this. I've never even heard of it until this this podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, dude, 300,000 peasants, they lost 100,000 guys. Like, that's wild. Yeah. yeah was, and, 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 sorry, go ahead. It, it was like, it was of momentous importance to Germans and Germans. In, in one year, it was one year, maybe a year and a half, but yeah, a year. Yeah, um, and, and you bring up the French Revolution. We hear about that like ad nauseum all the time. Yeah, but, but and, this and, German one, no one knows. Yeah, well, part of the reason we hear the French Revolution is because it sort of started around the time our revolution started. So they kind of like, yeah. you know, it's a similar similar era. But it's crazy that this was the largest thing to happen, largest thing like this to happen in Europe until the French Revolution. It was just it was that large, that all encompassing, you know, and. um yeah, and we have a really good song as a result of it, you know, which was written in the twenties. But um, still, it's it's pretty interesting. There it just kind of sh- goes to show you like how much how much human experience is out there that we just plain don't know about, you know. For real. Um, one thing that I was gonna uh, call out is I don't know if you've read this book, New Mexico Supremacist. I have not yet, but. There was the the peasants in their democratic way elected like a supreme leader or a supreme commander of their forces for a very short time during this conflict, and the guy that they um, 
that they elected was a German guy named Sir Goetz von, uh, is it Berlichingen? Berlichingen? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And so he was a knight. So he's much like Florian Geyer, sort of a career soldier kind of guy, been in many revolts, fought for the emperor, fought with friends, that kind of thing. So a lot of experience. So for a short time, he was elected to be part of like this, this peasant revolt, but he was like for a month maybe. And he, uh, he basically wasn't, he wasn't sold on their cause. He's more like, yeah, I can kind of use this as an, as, as a way to kind of get some payback on some guys that have done me wrong. But his main thing was like, I'm not really, I'm not really in it. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, there's no conviction basically. But the reason why I bring it up is because this guy, uh, Sir Goltz von Berlichingen, um, he actually has his memoirs that he wrote. It's like an autobiography that he wrote in like, you know, the late 1500s when he's an old man. And he mentions this conflict and uh, it's in, it's in German, but it was translated into English. And um, there's a really good publishing company called Antelope Hill. Uh, they're on Twitter and they've actually mm-hmm. released a version of that for pretty cheap in English. You can actually read the guy's autobiography and he's, he was one of the commanders for a short time of the peasants during this revolt. So I have not read the book yet, but I've heard it's good, but I just thought it was interesting that you can actually find uh, written first, firsthand accounts of this event for sale now as we speak, you know? It's so incredibly based. <laughs> Amazing. He had a metal hand. He made his own metal hand. Yeah. He lost he- his hand to an exploding cannon. And so there's just this guy in medieval Germany walking around with a metal fist. Yeah, his uh, his nickname was Goats of the Iron Hand because he had basically a prosthetic hand that he made that was metal. Like you can look at like they have like diagrams of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like so cool. That's speaking of which, he's he's also he was also a symbol um, uh, for both both sides during the Cold War and both sides during uh, well not both sides during World War Two, but he was. He was popular in both East and West Germany, um, as and as well as uh, during the uh, Nazi period in Germany. He was a popular figure for everyone. Hmm. Um, yeah, and one thing I thought was interesting too is is how two opposing groups, the communists and the Nazis, could both like basically love this song. I guess it shows its universality. I guess, but both of them had military units named for the black company and Florian Geyer, like during, during there was like an SS unit named for the black company and, um, and Florian Geyer, uh, during world war two. And same thing with the communists. Like they would have like this, the same kind of thing. I thought it was kind of interesting that like that, that legacy lived on for something that was five. I mean, we're coming up on the 500 year anniversary of this event. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's to 500 more, but 500 years ago and like people are still talking about it, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think it's a testament to the songs, to the song's greatness, that everyone wants the song to be on their team. Yeah, they um, want to apply it to like their movement or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's it's the musical version of that dumb is the dress white or is it blue thing that the internet went through. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the musical version of that, but it's also really political, and at certain periods, people would fight you over it. Yeah, and it also is tinged with uh, with Nazi Germany, which is like such a taboo, like uh, this horrible thing that you don't want to be. Like people are scared to 
play this song and listen to it or learn a guitar or whatever because of its potential associations. And so it's like it it you're you're right. Like the when you say it's political, it's it's uh, even deeper than that. I think. Yeah. Well, because I guess the the lyrics for the song were taken by this guy that was a soldier, but also a poet. He was Bavarian, uh, Heinrich von Redder. And like the guy died in 1909, but he's born in 1824. And so he's an old guy, old cavalry officer from, you know, who knows what war, I guess maybe the wars of German, German unification, but, um, but he, he's the one that basically wrote a lot of this and basically a poem. And then it was later on, um, there was this, another German that basically put it to music. And so he's the one that kind of arranged it into this, this, the melody that we have this guy named, um, Fritz Sotka. Sotka. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, so that's, uh, that's the whole song. I mean, the, the original version that, that he wrote actually has eight verses. The one that we're using for this episode has only, only five. Um, but that's a really good song. I really enjoyed listening to it. Yeah. There, there's the, we, we're going to mention there is, uh, several versions of the song. And so, um, the one that we'll post is, uh, is, is the one that, uh, New Mexico supremacists here uh, sent it sent to us. It it has a more martial feel, like more of a march, um, but it does not have the full the full uh, lyrics um, or the, all of the verses. The other ones that that are left out are um, interesting. You can go look it up on Wikipedia and uh, go read it for yourself because uh, there's some there's some fun stuff in there. Yeah, um, talking about beating priests to death and you know just. Various yeah. things like and no, nobleman's daughters, nobleman's daughters. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you, uh, New Mexico, for for this song. This is great. This has been a really like like uh, Sean has been mentioning. It's really eye opening. Like you, uh, like this has happened so much on this podcast. I'm super thankful for it. That all, all these things in history, I had no, I had no idea even existed. I, I didn't know like there's blind spots and then there's known blind spots. This is like, I didn't even know. So yeah. Thank you very much um, for having me on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, is there anything else that, like any anecdotes, anything else you want to throw in that yeah. maybe we skipped over last minute thoughts or anything? I'm going to correct the Wikipedia lyrics. Please do real quick. So when it says, so in English, it says Spears advance forward, March, that is not so in German. It's Spieß voran, drauf und dran. So the Spears advance thing, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say that's oh Spears to the front. Um, but drauf und dran is not forward march. Drauf und dran is like it's that's still a phrase used in modern German, and it it means it it can mean a lot of things. Um, but the way I am pretty sure this guy is using it, and again, I'm not an expert on you know, 1880s, 1890s German. Um, it means like you're, you're almost, they're almost on us, basically. So it's like the last cry of spears move to the front. The cavalry, the enemy cavalry is almost here. Hmm. That reminds me of something I was going to add. Um, one of the defense uh, mechanisms, if you will, that the peasants used in this war is um, what they call a wagon fort. And I, I didn't know this was that old, but it's quite literally circling your wagons, like the pioneers used to do to defend against Indians or Stampede or whatever, is 
um, they'd basically build like a fort of their wagons. They'd circle them around in this like flat area. And that's how they would defend themselves almost like a, like a makeshift castle of sorts. And that's how they defend themselves from the cavalry or the cannons or the, the arquebuses of the, of the, um, the princes or what they call the Swabian league. And so what they would do is they'd circle these, these, uh, their, their wagons together and they would build like, um, sometimes ditches in front of them or in the center of the wagons, they'd build these huge, like, you know, pile up some earth or some dirt, like ramparts and put their cannons on top of them. So they could basically shoot over this circular wall of wagons at the enemy. And that's where they basically take refuge. And the reason why it was so, um, it was so effective is because it offered them protection. And if they needed to, they could just unhook the wagons and take off real quick. Hmm. You know, it's so like, basically a mobile. It's like proto trench warfare. Almost. Yeah. 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 And, but also like, but it was mobile. They could, they could move it, you know, if they needed to. And, and yeah. uh, apparently, yeah. apparently it was used with some effect at this time. And circling your wagons is something that we did up until like my great, great grandfather did that crossing the plains. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. yeah. Now, now it's just like a, a phrase you say. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Unfortunately, we should go back to circling literal wagons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, hey, New Mexico supremacists. I, I, that's uh, that's um, really good uh, insight on the the German there, and I, and it's helpful that you spoke. I didn't know you spoke German until you mentioned that, so it's actually helpful that you speak German because you can kind of add a little more, a little more color to what we're talking about. Yeah, I, um, I'd assume that that you you had some insight in the lyrics uh, when you submitted a, a German song. So um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you lived up to whatever I had in my head. Yeah. Beyond even. Yeah. I'm always happy to surpass expectations. <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, so if, if anyone wants to get like to connect with you, get in contact with you for anything, is, is there somewhere they can find you or do you want to just kind of remain anonymous for the time being or, or they can DM me on Twitter. Okay. And what, what's your, what's your, we'll put it in the show notes. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, okay. So, uh, New Mexico supremacist, but the, the handle is, uh, New Mexico is best Mexico. So NM is best Mexico. Nice. Cool. Okay. And we'll tag, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, other than that, is there anything that you want to plug or shill or, you know, any, anything like that? Anything that the, the, the kids at home should check out since, since you've got the, uh, got the mic. Nothing comes to mind. You know what? Actually, I am going to shill. You should all learn the German language. <laughs> Uh, I won't say anything German. But there was a guy who was very right about German being the best language. That's all I'm going to say. Huh. Was it, well, was it- that, that actually that, that's actually a coincidence because we have a sponsor this episode with Duolingo. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, ger- German is. I feel like if you speak English, learning German is a tad easier because the sentence structure can be kind of similar, and a lot of the words are very similar as well. Yeah, I, and German is. Like like the people themselves, German is a language that's very confined by rules. And if you just if you just learn the rules, you are good for like ninety percent of the conversations you could have. It's not well, like I, English where we're just like, you know what? I'm gonna make it up. Yeah. And in a hundred years, I'll be famous for having good words. Yeah. And I won't even spell it, you know, in in a coherent way. <laughs> no, um, I'll, just, I'll make that up too. It's fine. Well, one thing I like about German is how incredibly old it is, the language. So, for example, the word for France, the country, is literally Frankreich, which translates to Kingdom of the Franks. The Franks was the tribe that lived in modern-day France. 
like pre Roman contact, you know? And that's, that's what I love. I was like, dude, that's like a thousand year old word. And we're still using it today to talk about France. You know, it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of examples like that, but that's just the one that comes to mind. But that's, that's, that's what I love about German is just like, it's, it's, it's just steeped in just history and culture. It is. It really is. It's a great language. If you want to learn a new language, you should learn German. Awesome. Challenge that's, that's accepted. A, that, that's a, that's one of the better um, uses of the free mic time at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want to shill, yeah, learn German. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, uh, we appreciate the time to Mexico Supremacist. Uh, everyone listening to this, if you guys have a song that you want us to talk about or you think we need to discuss on the podcast or one that you just you like and you want to learn more about and you want to use this as an, as a, a, an excuse to learn more about it, f- connect with us on Twitter. Send us an email, send us a carrier pigeon, however you reach us, let us know and we'll, we'll bring you on like New Mexico supremacist. And he can vouch that it's not as bad as it sounds, right? No, I was only beaten three times today. <laughs> Good. And they returned my family members unharmed. Right. Now that, now that this show is over, you can, you can go, we can, you can go your way in peace. So yeah. Awesome. We'll, yeah. We'll and, and I'll leave, I'll even add, uh, uh, hit us up even if you don't have a song. I, I want to know if you're listening because <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to know with the podcast who our listeners are. Yeah, and, give us uh, feedback. Yeah, hit us up. Um, you can find our our contact information in the show notes. Just scroll down a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. And with that, I think we'll we'll have the song play us out. So enjoy, and uh, we'll see you next time.
Hand und Schank. Eia, oh, gar mancher über die Klinge schrank. Eia, oh, spieß voran, drauf und dran, setzt aufs große Dach den roten Arm. Spieß voran, drauf und dran, setzt aufs große Dach den roten Arm. Geschlagen ziehen wir nach Haus, Eia, oh, oh, unsere Enkel fechten's besser aus, Eia, oh, oh, spieß voran, rauf und ran, setzt aufs Klosterdach den Roten an, spieß voran, rauf und ran. Setzt aufs Klosterdach den roten Arm. I'll try not to monologue too much. I say that every single time, but it's an impossible challenge.